Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. The sun is trying to peek out after the storms of the weekend and uh, good things are happening. Not the least of which is we are here today to receive from God what he wants to give us. How many came to receive something from the Lord? How many came to give something to the Lord? It works both ways, doesn't it? Let's give him our praise right now for what he's about to do as we ask him in prayer to have his way today. Praise God. We love you today, God. We exalt you. We magnify you to the heavens. We give glory and honor and praise to your name Thank you for being here today. We're gathered in your name. We ask you to minister. Do what you do best. That is, God, rub shoulders with your creation, mankind. Speak to our hearts. Help us to feel after you. And when we do so, your word says we will find you. Let the Holy Ghost flow in this place today, all day long. Let your power be felt. Let your word go forth with great authority, unction, and power, we pray that your will be done in everything that happens here today. And we ask it in the name of Jesus. Somebody said, in Jesus' name. Before you're seated, turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, the eighth chapter. How many are glad to be in church this afternoon? How many are glad for the sun shining? Praise God. Isaiah. Chapter 8, one verse of Scripture, verse number 17, the prophet writes, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. I want to talk to you tonight or today. <clears throat> Maybe the reason I said night is because it's in my title. This subject, the ministry of the night, the ministry of the night. God bless you. You may be seated. Going to basically discuss our lives and what we experience whenever it seems like God uh, is distant, when God has placed Himself on purpose um, just a little bit a ways away from us, or it seems like He doesn't feel very close to us. Um, I think this is an interesting verse that I read in Isaiah. It's not the only time that Isaiah uses this phrase uh, about waiting on the Lord. Uh, it says here, I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob or from Israel, and I will look for him. It was Isaiah who wrote the words to the verse that we find very familiar. Someone wrote a song with the words uh, saying, uh, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. How I many remember that song? That's actually from a Bible verse in Isaiah. It goes on to say, They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then the psalmist or the songwriter adds a line that's not really in the verse, but it says uh, something good anyway. It says, teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. And as much as our flesh may not like it, that's what we have to do sometimes. If there's anybody here today that likes 
to wait. Please see me after service. I've got to talk to you. You've got something I don't have, and I want it, and I want it right now. Let's, let's not wait till after service. Uh, that's, that's our human nature. We want to know, and we want to know now. We want the answer, and we want it now. We don't like waiting, but God causes us to have to wait sometimes, and he's got his reasons for that, and they're good reasons. Uh, many times, sometimes he makes us wait because it teaches us lessons that we need to learn that we would not learn otherwise. And one of those lessons is don't depend on your emotions. Don't depend on how you feel. God is real no matter how you feel. Amen. It's easy to worship God and, and, you know, do the things we're supposed to. Praise God. When things are going great in our life, when he's provided all of our needs, we've got food and friends and family and, and our health is doing reasonably well and we have happy situations. But circumstances are not always going to be pleasant in our life, are they? Uh, how do you worship God at those times? What do you do when God seems a million miles away? I've had those times in my life, and I know that you have too. Uh, let me tell you today, the deepest level of worship, the most mature kind of worship that we can do is when we praise God in spite of the pain, when we thank God during a trial that's going on, when we trust Him during a time of temptation, if we completely surrender everything to him while we're suffering. It's in those times uh, when God seems distant or distant uh, that we ought to love him the more and, and trust him even more. You know, friendships, this is true among us human beings. Our friendships are often tested by uh, separation and by silence. God knows he created us this way that the relationships that we have are always better when we communicate. Whether it's your spouse, your husband, your wife, your children, or a family member, your neighbor, a co-worker, or God himself. It's true even then. The more you communicate with the person that you're in a relationship with, the better that relationship uh, can be. At least the potential is better. But when you are in a relationship and there's silence or separation, whether it's by choosing or by uh, nothing that you can control, whenever there's distance between you and somebody or you are unable to talk to them, that affects the relationship and usually not in a good way. Now, I admit there are times... There are times, there have been times in my marriage relationship, for example, when my silence was what was needed to make the situation better. Somebody's raising their hand saying, been there, done that, Pastor. Several. Uh, and wouldn't you know it, all the ones that are raising their hands are men. Uh, 
in your friendship with the Lord, however, you don't always feel close to him, do you? Uh, a gentleman by the name of Philip Yancey had this to say, any relationship involves times of closeness and times of distance. And in a relationship with God, no matter how intimate it may be, the pendulum will swing from one side to the other. And when the pendulum swings from the side of closeness and intimacy to the side of, well, I don't really feel the Lord like I did. When that happens, that's when the test kicks in. And uh, Sister Sherry, I've got a Bible lesson I'm working on entitled, This is a Test. Now, this lesson is not that, but uh, I need to talk about the fact that many times in life when we go through bad stuff, that is a test for us. And the Lord may not necessarily be allowing us to go through those negative times just to administer the test to us, but God is a smart God. How many know God's intelligent? He's smart. He will use a situation in our life for multiple things to accomplish multiple goals. And uh, many times when we're going through negative circumstances, uh, one of the things that God does is he allows us to be tested in those situations. And... Uh, for us to grow in maturity with God, for us to, if I could use that word as a verb, mature our relationship with God, he's got to test it with times uh, where it seems like he's far away, where it seems like we are separated from him. And I'm going to call those times for purposes of this lesson today the nighttime. The nighttime, when it feels like maybe uh, God's got his attention on something or somebody else right now, and uh, he doesn't really need to talk to me, and God's doing something with, with other folks, or uh, sometimes the devil will tempt us, and we may buy into the temptation, I hope not, but uh, we start to think, well, maybe God... You know, maybe he's forgotten about me momentarily. Uh, anyway, God feels a million miles away. One writer referred to times like that as days of spiritual dryness and doubt. And he called it the dark night of the soul. Another writer said uh, it was the ministry of absence. And others refer to it as the winter of the heart. And I'm just going to call those times today the ministry of the night. Besides the Lord, David probably, at least he's a, a good candidate for picking out a Bible character and saying, this person had the closest friendship with God of anyone in the Bible. I think David would certainly be a candidate for that spot, don't you? The Bible says, God took pleasure in calling David a man after my own heart. But if you read David's writings, he complained a lot and often uh, about 
God just being absent, about God not being there for him. Psalm 10 and verse 1 says, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? One version said it like this, Lord, why are you standing aloof and far away? Why do you hide when I need you the most? Has anybody ever, don't raise your hand, but ever found yourself in a time like that when it seemed like God wasn't there when you needed him the most? There's a reason for that. Let's see something else that David wrote, Psalm 22 and verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Now, we recognize the first uh, line of that verse as speaking prophetically. These were the words, this was the sentence that Jesus spoke while hanging on the cross, dying. And uh, he's quoting from the Old Testament scripture that David wrote. But let's think about this. When David wrote these words, he didn't know that he was speaking prophetically. He didn't know that God would come to earth in the form of man, become flesh, and die on a cross and utter those words from that cross. David didn't know that was going to happen. So let's, let's think about, sometimes we lose the meaning of this, the original meaning, let's think about the fact that David was going through something he didn't want to go through when he wrote these words, and he felt obviously abandoned by the Lord. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Uh, another version says it like this. Why have you forsaken me? Why do you remain so distant? Why do you ignore my cries for help? In another psalm, he wrote, why have you abandoned me? Now, David knew about nighttime. He went through them. He went through them several times over the course of his life. And here's what's important for us to remember. David knew what to do during those times. He knew what the right thing to do was. We know and we understand hindsight's always better than foresight. And we have the hindsight of having the Bible. We can read all the way through. We can pick out any story in it and read the whole story and know how it's going to turn out, don't we? Uh, somebody said, I read the back of the book talking about the entire Bible and this whole thing of God versus the devil and where we're going to end up. They said, I read the back of the book and we win. That's great to know, isn't it? Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. That's true not only with the entire race that we run through this world, the race of life, but it's true in every one of our little, sometimes they don't seem so little, tough situations. Uh, you can read through, if God were to allow you to, you can read through to the end of your story or whatever's happening in your life. And if you do it God's way, you will always win. But now, we read these stories in the Bible, and we have hindsight. We can read the end and find out what happened every time. And we know that God hadn't left David. He was testing him. 
God never leaves us. He has promised that repeatedly. I will never leave you or forsake you. But God hasn't promised. He did not give us the promise. You will always feel my presence. Now, I'm going to admit to you, I spend quite a bit of time every week. Sometimes if uh, my schedule somehow hampers me from doing this, it may not happen as much. But every week I spend as much time as I can talking to God about what's going to happen in this place every Sunday. And I, I, I beseech God, I'll just be honest with you, I'll be transparent. Most of the time I beg God sometimes on my hands and knees, to show up here every Sunday. I did it this week. And do great things. God, we need your presence on Sunday. We need your presence in the service, before the service, after the service. We need your presence during the worship. We need your presence while we're praying for folks. We need your anointing to touch us, Lord, during the word and quicken it to our hearts. We need your presence to draw people to the altar and change their lives and help them to respond to your presence. And I pray prayers like that all the time. Well, God never, ever is absent. He never leaves us, but somehow, and many times the devil will use this, he'll take this and use this to try to convince us that God has left us because we don't feel him. We don't feel God as strongly as we do at other times. And it's in those times we need to remember God's promise. He hasn't gone anywhere. In fact, God admits sometimes he hides his, his face from us. There are times when God appears to be MIA as far as you're concerned, missing in action. Somebody, uh, somebody once said, you wake up one morning and all your spiritual feelings are gone. You pray, but nothing happens. You rebuke the devil, but it doesn't change anything. You go through spiritual exercises. You have your friends pray for you. You confess every sin you can imagine. Then you go around asking forgiveness of everyone you know. You fast, still nothing. You begin to wonder, how long will this spiritual gloom uh, last? Is it going to be days or weeks or months? Will it ever end? Because it feels as if your prayers simply go up to the ceiling, bounce right back down to you. And it's during those times we may ask ourselves the question, what's wrong with me? And sometimes the answer is, it's our fault, but not all the time. Sometimes it is something that we've done or failed to do that's placed distance between us and God, but not all the time. In fact, for a Christian, uh, an apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled, notice I said Holy Ghost-filled person that is walking in right relationship with God, that's praying, that's coming to church, that is drawing near to the Lord on a regular basis, most of the time when they face a situation like that where they don't feel God, most of the time it's not their fault. And the truth is there's nothing wrong with them. 
It's just a normal part of God's testing so that he can mature us and grow us in our relationship with him. And uh, I'll venture to say this. Everybody, everybody, every Christian goes through times like that at least once in their lifetime and usually several times. And yes, it's painful and yes, it's scary. Uh, but it is, those times are absolutely necessary for the development of our faith. Our faith can only grow. Our faith can only be what it's supposed to be, what God wants it to be, what we need it to be. When it grows, and the only time our faith grows is like our body, when we exercise it. Oh, there's that dreaded word, exercise. I'm uh, not a spring chicken anymore, so when I see articles on the Internet as I'm perusing through the pages that flash up at me occasionally, I'll see something that interests me, and I'll stop and read all or at least part of the article when it says something about aging or how to uh, reduce inflammation or uh, when to tell your doctor about this ache or this pain and when not to. Sounds really exciting stuff, huh? It's as boring as all get out, to be honest. But as we grow older, we have to pay attention to changes in our body and in our health and respond accordingly if we want to live the very best uh, lifestyle that we can. And that is true as a Christian. And, and when you know this, when you, when you realize and understand this, it makes a lot more things in living for God in life make sense because you understand that it's not you have crashed and burned. It's not that you're backslid. Uh, it's not that God is mad at you, so he's doing all this stuff to you. It's that it's a part of the necessary growth process that God takes us through. Uh, when you know that, it, it helps. It really does. It helped Job. Think about Job. Job reached a point when he could not feel the presence of God. He could not witness the presence of God in his life. Now, they didn't have the Holy Ghost back then, so uh, he may not have started out being able to feel God's presence. But he could witness the presence of God and God's blessing in his life by the way God blessed him. And the way it showed up, and everybody else could tell that Job was a very blessed man, blessed of God. And it was very obvious and very uh, real, and everyone, again, could tell when God, it seemed like, withdrew his hand of blessing from Job's life. When all this bad stuff started happening to him, he lost his children, he lost his home to a storm, he lost... All of his riches, 
He lost everything he had, eventually his health. He even lost the loyalty and good advice of his wife when she started advising him to curse God and just die. He lost it all except his integrity and his faith in God. And that was the whole point. That's why God let him go through all of that stuff. And Job said during this time uh, that he, he finally understood it, and it helped him. He said, I go east, but he is not there. I go west, but I cannot find him, talking about God. I do not see him in the north, for he is hidden. I turn to the south, but I cannot find him. But he knows the way that I take. One version said, he knows where I'm going. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Praise God. When God seems like he's far away, when it seems like he's angry with you, or he may be disciplining you for something you did, maybe some sin, uh, let's remember, in fact, sin does disconnect us from our intimate fellowship with God because when we sin, we grieve the Spirit, God's Spirit that's within us. We, we hurt, we harm our fellowship with Him by disobedience, uh, disobedience to Him. And other things harm our relationship with God, like how we treat others. When we treat others in a way that's displeasing to God, that hurts our relationship with Him. Amen? Uh, there's other things. Maybe we just get busy with the cares of life or our friendship with the world. The Bible says friendship with the world is enmity or the enemy of God. So sometimes it is our fault, but most of the time it's not. This feeling like God has abandoned us uh, most of the time has nothing to do with any sin that we've done. It is a test of faith and one that we all have to face at one time or another. That, that test is this. It's in the form of a question. No matter what happens, will you continue to love, trust, obey, and worship God even when you don't have any visible sign or feeling or evidence that he's still around? Will you do it? That's the question. Will you continue to trust him? One of the most common mistakes that some Christians make is trusting their feelings and, and, and their emotions rather than seeking after God. And they look for, they expect a certain feeling, and if it happens, then they come to the conclusion, well, whew, everything's okay. I still feel God. Wrong in fact, God will do that. He'll just put his hand up in such a way that our feelings aren't there so that we will get used to not depending on our feelings, but depending on God and having faith that he'll do what he said he would do even when we don't feel it. So when we go after a feeling, even the feeling of closeness to God, that's not always going to turn out the way we want it to. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I love feeling God's presence. 
Like the songwriter said, I'm so glad when he saved me, he gave me something I can feel. As long as I understand, that's okay. As long as I understand, I'm not always going to have the feeling. When it's there, it's great. I seek that feeling sometimes. I pray. Uh, in fact, back to praying for this service on Sunday every week. I pray every week, God, let us feel your presence. Manifest your presence in a great way, as abundantly as possible. Show up and show off. But then I also pray for all of us that we would be mature Christians, and we have Calvary, we have a little bit to learn in this regard. We, we still haven't, as a, a corporate body, completely learned this lesson yet. I also pray that, Lord, when we don't feel you in the service, and this is true in our individual life as well, but when we come to church and we praise you and we worship you and and uh, for whatever reason, we don't feel you like we want to feel you, and the reasons are varied. It could be that God's testing us. It could be that uh, some demon from hell showed up to throw his ugly carcass in the mix and try to mess up what God wants to do in the service. It could be uh, that God is wanting to test our maturity. It could be that we as a church didn't pray and fast that week like we should have. And when you pray and fast, what does that do? That strengthens your spirit, your spiritual man, your inner man, and it weakens your flesh, and it weakens your flesh's, uh, your flesh nature's ability to have rule or control over you. We may come to church and uh, just had a terrible week, and uh, maybe we didn't pray like we should have and stay connected to God. So we walk in, and we don't feel something that somebody else over here on the next aisle is feeling because we walked in the flesh too much this past week instead of in the Spirit. And then there are times, like I said, when, when the whole service has a damper on it, and uh, many times that's because Satan has come in or his imp, and he's got his thumb on the service. And just like in our individual life, like I've been talking about for the last half hour, it's at those times, Calvary Church, are you listening, church? We need to, instead of sitting there like a knot on the log in the service as we do sometimes, that's a time when we especially need to push through and worship God harder and praise God longer and be mature Christians. Sometimes you see pastor get frustrated because people aren't doing that. And, and when, when you see pastor uh, or whoever the service leader is leading worship, say, come on, now we're going to press through. We're, gonna, we're not going to stop here. We're going to keep going. We're going to do whatever it takes to put these uh, hellish influences under subjection to the will of God, and we are going to continue to, and really as a church, we can do in a service what we often need to do as an individual. The old timers used the phrase, we need to pray through. How many remember hearing that phrase, pray through? Sometimes we need to do that as an individual. And hey, Calvary, sometimes we need to do that as a church. If the service is bound, 
those of you, I just encourage you. In fact, I'm asking you, uh, almost, almost everyone in this room is a mature Christian and, and ought to, when the service is bound, recognize that and go to work. You may not turn around and, and kneel down at your chair, but you can pray under your breath. You can, you can uh, minister to the Lord and worship. And you can be a leader and stand into your feet and praising God and worshiping God. Don't let the devil win. I, I, I'm putting a challenge for, forth to everyone here as an individual. Anytime and every time you see that happening in a church service at this church from now on, even if you're the only one, well, I promise you I'll be there with you. Even if you and I are the only two, do it. Stand to your feet. Worship. Even when nobody else is, give yourself to pressing through and seeking God and not being not on the log and, and sit there silent and still. Amen? So every Christian goes through these times when God seems distant. Uh, when you're a baby Christian, when you're just starting out, God may give us a, a lot of confirming emotions and, and answers prayer that may be selfish or self-centered or immature so that you know he's right there and he hadn't left you. But as you grow in God, as you grow in faith, God wants to wean you of those dependencies of needing to feel him all the time. Uh, the most common mistake many times Christians make in worship today is seeking an experience with God rather than just seeking God. Uh, God is omnipresent, okay? Uh, and at times, though, he manifests himself. He manifests his presence. Now, what I mean by that is he shows up and you can feel him. I mean, you feel his presence moving. Your spiritual thermometer goes off, and you know the heat, spiritual heat is rising in the room, and God is flowing, and he's doing things, and he's touching people. You know almost everybody here is a mature Christian. You know when that's happening in a service. Amen? At least I think most of you know. That's God manifesting himself. But God's omnipresence and his manifestation are two very different things. One is a fact. God's omnipresence is a fact. God is everywhere. But his manifestation is often a feeling. God's always there. He's always present, even when you're not aware of him. Uh, but... But listen to this. His presence is too great. His presence, God's presence is too profound to be measured by just our emotions. If we're just going to use our emotions as a measuring stick, a yardstick, to measure how great God is, we're going to fall flat on our face because you can't do it. Now, I personally, I like the experience of feeling God. Uh, if we come into church and, and God isn't manifesting his presence like we want him to and 
God isn't being allowed for whatever reason to flow freely. That's a phrase I want you to remember, the flow. Get the flow. I'll never forget Sister Nona Freeman, veteran missionary to Africa. Uh, We all have, at least I do, most of you do, have that one sermon, that one message that sticks in our mind that we heard somewhere back down the road in our life that just somehow seems to stand out above all of the rest of the hundreds, maybe thousands of sermons we have heard preachers preach. Well, the one for me is simply entitled The Flow by Sister Nona Freeman. And I'll never forget her uh, preaching about her experiences in Africa that explained the difference when the flow of God's Spirit was there and when it was not. And we may come to a service and and the flow just isn't happening. And we don't feel God moving and manifesting himself like we want to. But he is still there just the same. Now, we should seek for that. There's nothing wrong with feeling God's presence. And, and personally, I think it's better those times when we can feel him moving than when we can't. That's why as a pastor, I'm asking you to press through whenever his presence doesn't seem to be free to flow like it should be. Press through and worship and praise God. And, and, and if, if, if it doesn't happen, well, then it doesn't happen. We, we go on and we, we listen to the word and the word ministers to us. But let's give ourselves to the flow of God's manifesting himself as much as we can. But when he doesn't, what do we do? Well, there are going to be situations in our life that stretches our faith. Like Job, our life may seem to fall apart. But here's what to do in your life to engage, to put in place, the ministry of the night when it's not happening. Number one, how do you praise God when you don't understand what's going on? God is silent. How how do you stay connected to God during those times? You do what Job did. The Bible says Job fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I be When I depart this life, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Finish it with me out loud. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise God. That's what Job did, and that's what you should should do. Praise God anyhow. Let me give you uh, three things real quick in closing. Number one, tell God exactly how you feel. God wants you to do that. God wants you to pour your heart out to him. Unload on him. Now, not in a disrespectful way, not in an untrusting, disbelieving way. That's the difference between good and bad unloading on God. The Israelites coming out of Egypt did it in the wrong way. They murmured and complained because they did not believe that God could take them through the wilderness and get them to the promised land. That's not the way you unload on God. But to walk into your prayer closet, throw yourself on the floor, cry every tear you can possibly cry, cry out to God and say, God, I don't understand what's happening. Uh, You can even ask God, why? 
He may not answer you, but it's okay to ask as long as you're doing it in the right attitude and the right spirit. Tell God how you feel. Job did it. He said, I can't be quiet. Uh, did I give you Job 7 11? Probably not. Okay, forget it. He said, I am angry and bitter. I have to speak. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. Let me tell you something. God can handle your doubt. God can handle your fear. God can handle your grief and your confusion and your questions. Thank God. Uh, did you know that actually admitting your hopelessness to God can be an act of faith on your part? It can be a statement of your faith to him. Trusting God and feeling despair at the same time does not make God mad. David said, Psalm 116.10, he said, I believed, therefore have I spoken. Uh-oh. Then he says, but I was greatly afflicted. Another translation says, I believe, so I said, I'm completely ruined. That, that sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? I trust God, but I'm wiped out. David got real frank and honest with God, and his frankness revealed something on the inside of David. It revealed that he had a deep, deep faith. I believe God. I believe in you, God. He believed that God would listen to his prayer, and he believed that God would let David say whatever he wanted to say to him and still love David. Isn't that great? Praise God. So number one, when you're in the time called nighttime in your life, the ministry that you need to engage in, number one is tell God how you feel. Number two, focus on who God is. And remember, he never changes. His unchangingness. I just made up a word. Let's say it this way. His unchanging nature, his character. Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of how you feel, hang on to God and what he is. He never changes. Remind yourself what you already know to be forever true about God. God is good. God still loves me. He always will love me. He always will be with me. He knows what I'm going through. He cares. He has a good plan for my life. Mr. Raymond Edmonds said this, Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. When Job's life fell apart and God got silent on Job, Job still found things that he could praise God for. And I won't go for time's sake into the verses where it proves that. Number three, when you're in the nighttime, this is what you do for the ministry, to minister to yourself in the night. Trust God to keep his promises. During those times of spiritual uh, dryness, you've got to patiently rely on the promises of God, not on your emotions. You've got to realize that God is, through all of this, taking you to a higher level, to a more uh, deeper maturity. Uh, he's taking you where you can't get any other way than by going through 
the tough times that you're going through. Uh, think about this. A friendship that's just based on emotion is a shallow friendship. A good example is marriage. You start out in love. Brother Gusto, remember this. When you fall in love with that little lady and you think she hung the moon or you would go get the moon for her and you have those feelings of giddiness, it's called romance, romantic feelings, those are emotions, those will not last. I'm sorry to tell you today, those feelings will diminish over time. And what a lot of people do in our life, in our world, our society today is when those feelings are gone, then they hang it up. They check out of that relationship. But a mature Christian, uh, a mature person uh, in a marriage, when those feelings of, of romance uh, are gone, then they don't check out themselves, but they continue on in that relationship, not based on their emotions and their feelings, but based on their choice. Love is a choice. It's not a feeling. You love someone because you choose to love them no matter what, and you will continue to love them and do what's best for them no matter what the feelings or circumstances that life may bring you. So don't be troubled by trouble. Your bad circumstances are not going to change the character of God. God's grace is still in full force. He is still for you, even when you don't feel it. And in the absence of circumstances that you want to see, uh, God continue, or Job continued to hold on to the word of God. Job 23 and 12, he said, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Wow. Job said, I need God's word more than I need the food that sustains my life and my body. I've got to bring this to a close. Job's faith was so strong that eventually he made this statement. Though he slay me, talking about God, even if he were to kill me, I'm still going to trust in God. There are people who feel like they've been abandoned by God. And so they, in turn, abandon God themselves. That is not the mark of a mature Christian. You say, well, Brother Edwards, if I feel that way, what's something I can do? One thing is to remember all the things God has already done for you. Amen. Think about it. If God never did another single thing for you in this lifetime, he would still deserve for you to continue to praise him for the rest of your life simply because of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. He gave his life for you. He died for you. That's enough to cause you and I to worship him for the rest of eternity. Praise God. Sometimes we forget the agonizing details of what Jesus went through on the cross. They say familiar, familiarity breeds 
uh, contempt or complacency. But, but think about it. Jesus was stripped naked. He was beaten until he was almost unrecognizable, whipped and scorned and mocked, uh, spit on and placed a crown of thorns upon his head, abused and ridiculed by heartless men. He was treated worse than an animal. And then when he was nearly unconscious from losing so much blood, he was forced to drag a cumbersome cross up a hill. He was nailed to it and left to die in slow, excruciating torture of death by crucifixion. And while his life blood drained out on the ground beneath that cross, the hecklers stood by and hollered at him and shouted insults and made fun of him. And Jesus took all of mankind's, including yours and mine, guilt and sins upon himself. And that's when he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world, the men that were crucifying him, and set him free. But he didn't do that. He, instead, he decided to die just to save you and me. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what? Words cannot describe what my Jesus went through. So if I have to go through a little storm, then I, I'm going to go through it for his sake because I love him that much. If I have to go through some unpleasantness in this life, you say, Pastor, the unpleasantness I, I'm going through or have had to go through is way more than just a little bit. That may be so. But nothing we could go through in this life could begin to compare what he suffered for you and I. Let's stand together. Never again should you ever have to wonder what you have to be thankful for and what reasons you have to go ahead and push through and worship God during a lull in the service when other people are sitting there like a knot on a log. Why do you see me standing almost the entire time through the worship and others I know some of you because of age and physical limitations you can't do that but I'm going to tell you what like I said I'm no spring chicken anymore there are times when you see me walking up and down on this platform or across the front and the thing that I feel least like doing is doing that I want to go sit down let somebody else stand in my place and raise my hand a little bit from my seat and praise God but you know what I've decided that my sacrifice is worth me giving it to him because of his sacrifice that he made for me. Praise God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Somebody here today is in the middle of a night. It's midnight, and God's saying to you, he's saying, I want you to take up the ministry of the night. And what does that mean, God? It means... God is saying to you, I want you to continue to minister to me even in your midnight hour. And if you'll do that, I will reward you many times over if you will praise and worship God at midnight. If you will continue to minister to God in the nighttime, God's going to say, look at that. <laughs> he may turn to an angel and say, I, I like that. I want you to go down there and bless his family, bless his home, do something great for him. Take that disease out of his body. 
go and fight that demon that's been battling with him or her all these many months or even years and you send that demon back to hell where they came from my child is not going to have to fight that battle any longer praise God today might be the day that God says something like that and speaks a word in your life if you'll just continue to minister to him in the midnight hour with your eyes still closed would you raise your hand lift your voice and just speak to God right now and use your own words and say God I'm still going to trust in you I'm still going to believe in you I'm still going to worship you and praise you in my nighttime. oh yes in my nighttime, God it may not feel good I may not feel like I'm on top of the mountain in fact I may feel like I'm in my deepest darkest valley but God I trust in you and I remember today what you went through for me at Calvary. And so I'm going to do it. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to stand up when my body wants to sit down during the worship service. I'm going to go to the altar every time we have altar service. Even if just to thank you and praise you for what you did for me. I'm going to minister to you in the nighttime. I'm going to minister to you at all times. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to do that, God. Help us to do it and thus be pleasing unto you and find the strength and the blessings that come from obeying you. We love you today. I ask your blessing upon each one here today, each one watching via Facebook Live, everyone that's in the night, minister to that nighttime in their lives, I pray, and bring deliverance. Until that deliverance comes, help us to walk as Job with our integrity, and our, our, our praise and our worship and our relationship with you, exactly what you want it to be. Though you slay us, yet will we trust you. We ask it all according to your will and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a head clap of praise and worship right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Well, God bless you today. We're going to... Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.